Welcome to Peeves Gap Fest, a chapter-by-chapter page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meigs. Today, we are analyzing Chapter 10, Halloween, which is an hour and three minutes and 42 seconds to an hour and 13 minutes and 48 seconds of the film. Trolls in the Dungeon! Before we start gabbing, we wanted to give a spoiler warning. We will be using our vast knowledge of the wizarding world to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about moments that happen later in the books or films. You've been warned, Dickle Firsties. But before we begin, a quick message from the Daily Prophet. You know what's worse than a bogey-flavored birdie bots bean? Crappy cardboard jigsaw puzzles. That's why we're excited to tell you about Wongo Puzzles. They are 100% wooden puzzles, so they'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. I like the owl one. The owl is so cool. I went on the website. I really was just looking at all of them. They're all so pretty in the owl one. It's just uh, the colors are so cool. I think Slytherins were really like the peacock because it's green and peacocks are like the sign of Malfoy Manor. So true. There are a few other ones that I think are pretty cool, but I think the peacock one was probably the best in my opinion. I feel like I just need to do all of them because I like all of them a lot. (laughs) I've really wanted to get into puzzles and I had people gift me puzzles last year for Christmas and I haven't done a single one, but I think now's the time. You Okay. I have, I am not joking, probably over 50 puzzles at my house. So I've have you well, completed them? <laughs> uh, not all of them. Some of them I've done multiple times because I like them a lot. So I've like kind of like rereading books that you already have instead of just reading the new books that you bought. Well, I bet they're not Wongo puzzles. <laughs> no, they are not. It would be very exciting to have some wooden puzzles instead. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code GABFEST, G-A-B-F-E-S-T, to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle, guaranteed or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com and use the code GABFEST to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. Welcome back, listeners. James, do you have any feedback for us today? I do. So, we have some feedback from Facebook from TJ, good friend TJ. And he says, in regards to your discussion about Harry's hatred of peppermint, didn't the book say earlier on that on that those were the only sweets that the Dursleys ever gave him? I feel like there was a comment stating that's what Harry got instead of a birthday cake or something along those lines. Am I way off base? Also, while I have read the whole series twice, it's been a while and I've seen the movie a lot more. In regards to Harry's discussion with the Sorting Hat, the impression I always got was that the conversation was quiet enough from the audience that the audience couldn't hear. I think the reason it was portrayed as an audible conversation was mostly because Columbus wanted to demonstrate the visual of the hat's mouth moving. It Mm. was a special effects flex. (laughs) So... Thanks, TJ, for that awesomeness and that um, lovely insight that we totally missed because we were definitely wondering that, I believe, in the episode that we recorded about him not eating peppermints. And we were like, where did that come from? But Mm -hmm. I guess all three of us missed it. Um, But he's right. I went back and checked. Those were the only sweets the Dursleys ever gave him. 
uh, for some special occasions or leftovers. Interesting. Or Thanks, TJ. Yeah. All right. Kazamaka. Am I saying that right? Um, on Apple Podcasts said, uh, gave us a review um, saying a Harry Potter podcast I didn't know I needed. Welcome to the wizarding world of Harry Potter. This podcast takes a look at the books and compares them with the films and the hosts also give their hopes for the upcoming TV series. The three hosts, Sarah Day, James and Meeks are really enthusiastic about the world of Harry Potter and that enthusiasm is infectious. Thank you. Oh, I love it. I don't know who you infectious. are, but I love it. <laughs> All right, you guys ready to get into the conversation? I am more yes. than ready. I have some notes this time. <laughs> I'm excited as well. Halloween is my favorite holiday. So I'm excited to talk about a whole chapter just about Halloween. <laughs> I guess the first note we can talk about is that the first part of this chapter is Harry getting his broom, which is mm -hmm. um, a little bit later in, in the, the film. film. Um, but we I can did go note that, and... and I was like, whoa, yeah. what the heck was that all about? Because they make this big deal about having it be top secret yeah, and everything, and they have him take it up to up the stairs to his dormitory. So McGonagall's like, "Don't open it in front of everybody," right. uh, and they're like super excited and super like. They even have like the comfort confrontation with Malfoy about like, "Oh, what's this?" Uh, who is just he's he's upset in general just because uh, the fact that they weren't expelled from the night before, and so right. now he's like. What do you guys got with a broomstick? And every it's like everybody knows but Malfoy because like Flickwick's like he tells Flickwick who's like passing by and Flickwick's mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, McGonagall told me about your special circumstances. And Malfoy's like, what the heck is going on? And so I feel like that was a missed opportunity for sure, because that would have right. been a lovely like little context. But. Well, and not only does it give more context to the rivalry between Malfoy and Harry, but it, it also takes out the whole scene with Flitwick, which is just world building and like Hogwarts building. And it just kind of, mm -hmm. you know, takes out those characters. And, um, you know, they keep giving Seamus's lines to Hermione. Oh, um, yeah. Just little totally. things like that is just. You know, it just builds the world and these characters. So it's a little disappointing to see that. But we have the show, hopefully. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, definitely. I think the show is going to be given a lot of opportunities to kind of grow into this. But it's just interesting how that all plays out. But the biggest thing I wanted to point out was the conflict between Ron and Hermione and Harry. Like yes. how Hermione just doesn't want to talk to them the entire time. Uh, and it's like two months have passed since the time they discovered Fluffy to the time that Halloween is starting. And she hasn't talked to them for this entire two months. Mm -hmm. And in the films, we because in the films, because everything's kind of like blended together and it doesn't really feel like you can't really feel the time passage of time going by. Mm -hmm. We miss out on that. Um, we miss out on that an animosity between them because it's not given enough time to to bubble and and uh, what's yeah. it called uh, create that tension. Right, and another point that was cut in the same scene with Malfoy and Flitwick, she is annoyed that he's basically being awarded for breaking the rules. Right. Yep. Um, and that is just another level of that tension which makes the scene later on when she's crying because of ron making fun of her it's been two months of this building up and that's just like the breaking point whereas in the film he makes fun it's one line and then she just starts crying and like yes like nobody wants to be made fun of but you just don't you you miss out on that, that like you said that whole two months worth of building up this tension always agreed there could be more more time to develop the characters so we move on to actual quidditch practice and we 
get the scene of Wood showing him the balls. Um, And one thing I noted when I was reading it, it gave me a giggle because Harry's like, oh, it's like basketball on brooms. And Wood is like, what's basketball? And then like two lines later, he hand, he's throwing golf balls to Harry. I'm like, you know what a golf ball is, but you don't know what a basketball is? That's funny. I never made that connection. <laughs> that is really funny. That's hilarious. I love I it. Did I didn't until this reread. Interesting. I, um, I did highlight what's basketball because that's just, you know, one of those like somebody from the wizarding world put into the muggle world, like being very out of place for you know seemingly ordinary things for us i think that those those concepts are always funny so i i remember reading that for the first time and that's like always one of my favorite lines and there's so many of those little instances of the wizarding kids questioning Mm -hmm. muggle stuff um which makes sense you know they grew up in the wizarding world but it was just so funny to have the very next moment (laughs) there's a, a muggle sport that he's using yeah and it's interesting to say the least because there there's a mixture of muggle-born students and pure-blooded students who have never entered the worlds of each other and they're like questioning everything like you have hermione and dean who who don't know anything about the wizarding world and they're learning about the wizarding world much as as harry is and then you have like Ron and Malfoy and Neville who have like known all of this stuff forever. And then you have like Seamus who's in the middle who has gotten like a taste of both worlds. So it's an interesting like perspective to see between all of them because like Seamus never questions anything that Dean says and or Ron says because he's got both of those knowledges. But when you take him out and you have Ron and Dean talking, you're like interesting that's yeah that's interesting Mm -hmm. how you both are trying to figure out what each other means and all that but i I love those little tidbits so i'm hoping that we'll get to see more of it just like in this part where harry is like oh that you mean this and wood is like what are you talking about yes i would love to see the line what's basketball but i hope they don't include the line and then have him start throwing golf balls at harry I'd really like it it to be, if you're going to separate it, separate it. Right. Yeah. I I did love the design of the trunk um, in the film, of the balls trunk. You said you did or you didn't? I did. I thought it was really cool. And like the the way that the snitch is enclosed in the top and the bludgers are like strapped in. Yeah. It was just a really cool trunk. Yeah, and it looked just like what I would expect, you know, from that world. Um, yeah, that's for sure. Just what I would have expected it to look like. So, props department for the win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did a good job. I mean, most of the set design in general, um, I think, is great in this film. I've mentioned before that well we've all talked before that the set kind of changes slightly from movie to movie but one thing i noticed is the snitch looks pretty similar throughout the films yeah yeah yeah. like some details like that that. at least there's some consistency that's carried through right yeah totally but i mean we could talk all about quidditch the next chapter so yes yes so (laughs) let's go to uh charms class we have, uh, so we're learning. Yep, what is interesting is between the time that this is where the two months comes in, right? Between yes. Harry learning what Quidditch is with Wood and doing some little bits of practice to this charms lesson is the two month period. And so that's where I kind of want to be like, this is where they need to add in maybe a few things and maybe show. <clears throat> Listeners, what am I going to say? (laughs) What am I going to say, listeners? Uh, The montage of the episode needs to be right here to show the passage of time to kind of maybe build that tension, to show Harry and Ron struggling with their studies and Hermione just rolling her eyes or them like running into each other in the hall and being like, oh, awkward, like walking past each other kind of scenario because we need to be able to see 
some of that tension build because that makes what happens in the charms lesson way more significant because in the book it mm -hmm. it hits on another level compared to when it does in the movie which mm -hmm. is yeah absolutely um, significant to point out yeah yeah because it is i just do really love the comedic i do love the comedic relief of seamus blowing up his feather though and that kind of humor is carried on throughout the films which wasn't yeah. in the book um you can get a sense of his uh the humor in the books a little bit but i but i agree it's rare for them it seems like to play up any of the characters because in the books or in the films they tend to make the characters flatter but i guess it's like every film or tv show needs to have like you know the crazy one that you can kind yeah. of like is the comedic relief and so i feel like they chose seamus for that purpose but so that's a good thing i guess that they did play it up but uh, of course i wish they had done that with more of the more of the characters in general he does set fire to his feather though in the book so i mean there's a little bit of consistency mm -hmm. it's just not a big blow up no he just touches it i believe with his wand and then just goes <laughs> and it's just like oh darn <laughs> we go ahead and move on to the feast now i mean we obviously got to address the leviosa part right because <laughs> yes. that's the that's the straw that breaks the camel's back essentially right uh, and obviously the biggest thing i want to point out is ron feels guilty in the book like immediately right after harry points out oh i think you hurt her feelings and he's like mm -hmm. whatever but he's like uh he's like you can see crap. It on his face right i didn't mean to push it that far and it's charms is at the beginning of the day the hogwarts feast is at the end of the day they do things together as a class like the entire day and they noticed that she wasn't at the next class and they couldn't find her anywhere in the afternoon. Like they noticed she was missing the entire time. Uh, and so giving like maybe a minute or two to kind of build Ron's uneasiness mm -hmm. would make it a lot more, a lot more beneficial for the payoff at the end of the episode when they save her. Cause that kind of takes all that emotions and brings it in at the very end, you know? So you got to make sure that that happens properly because this is where their friendship is going to like ignite uh, is this chapter. And something else that they slight, slight change um, in the book, she, t uh, the pronunciation is the gar in Wing Wingardium Liviosa, not the O in Liviosa. Um, and with the movies, the Liviosa has been the, it's like an iconic line now, yeah. right? So I'm wondering if the show will switch it back to the book and make her emphasize the gar sound instead so that it doesn't kind of clash with the iconic line that we have. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Wingardium. Liviosa. Okay, now are we ready for the feast? <laughs> yes, we're ready for the feast. So in the film, the feast is just like full of candy and sweets. And it just looks amazing. <laughs> Did it make it? I have a sweet tooth. Either of you have a sweet tooth? I can, I can like sweets for like a good portion of time, but eventually it just gets too much. Like I can't eat a ton of sugar. Oh, I love sugar. <laughs> so it, I was like, mm, I want to come to this feast. It's just full. Of, like, I just want a, a buffet of sweets. Yes, please. I wanted to see, like, other things there, too. Um, I don't really have a sweet tooth, but I definitely appreciate the, like, when, if anybody does have a sweet tooth and then they see something amazing like that. Like, I can totally understand that, how cool that table must have been, you know. I've said so. it before and I'll say it again. The kids must love filming these feast scenes. Oh, yeah. That's got to be so Definitely. much fun for them. I just want to be a background actor at the Hogwarts feasts. So Same. as you're hiring us, HBO, please hire <laughs> me as a background actor for the feast. Please. Thank you. <laughs> so what were your thoughts on this kind of the scene? 
in the comparison from the book to the film? I thought it was great. I think um, you definitely, I think that overall the food scenes are pretty good in the films and you really get a sense of how, you know, how grand the, the eating is in general. And um, especially for Harry having grown up basically being, you know, starved. And um, so I thought that in general, the feast part was good, but then the troll like scene with um quirrell coming in i thought that that was really good as well mm-hmm. it definitely was a little bit more over dramatized in yes. the film which i think was like a good choice to make because it kind of like, added a little bit more tension but like in mm-hmm. when you compare it to the book you're obviously like oh well he just ran all the way to dumbledore's table and then said troll in the dungeon fainted at his table and then everyone like kind of freaks out, which I, you know, unless I underestimated how big originally the room is supposed to be, like, how does everybody hear that? Because he's not screaming. Right. Yes, right. that's what I thought too. And something I love in the film is that Dumbledore stands up and shouts, but not even shouts. It's just a very loud, firm silence. Um, and it echoes through all the walls yeah um, and instead and, of just firing fireworks from his wand yes yes because <laughs> with that i mean with and maybe it wasn't as chaotic but with all that chaos like who's gonna see the purple sparks you know so i really like that he stands up and just shouts silence and the authoritative mm-hmm. note that that has oh it was just really great yeah, yep, I think that they did a good job making that scene um, good in the film, just in general. You know, I thought it was pretty, pretty close to um, how the movie or how the book was. And I thought it was acted yeah. well. And the parts that they did over dramatize, like you both just said, it, I think that it made sense for what they were doing with the film. Um, it paid off. So, yeah. 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 I did want to note, though that having Quirrell faint in between two tables of students as they're all freaking out was probably not the best idea on his part because <laughs> I was like expecting that guy to get trampled. <laughs> I was yes. like, what? I had the exact same thought, James. Yeah, they definitely like, did not. No like one cares about the fainted teacher on the floor. <laughs> You're just like, okay, just going to step on that guy. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Before we get into the bathroom scene, um, I did, well, it is my peeves peeve, but um, the it's just very convenient, but I'll just leave it at that and I'll get more into it later. The troll's path was very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In the movie or in the book? Yes. Yes. In the movie. Oh, okay. I can see. I can see that. Yes, I'll get. I'll explain more when we get to our peeves, peeve. But um, okay. any do... other thoughts before we get to the? Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I well, we've talked about how Percy was kind of flat in the films, <laughs> and not as like stuffy and prefecty as he's written in the mm-hmm. books. And so I highlighted Percy was in his element, like when Dumbledore, you know, said prefects take your students back to the dormitories, oh, and he took and charge. then it says pre. It's just like I wish that you know we see I know we see snippets here and there of Percy like doing prefect duties just kind of because he has to but it's it's more like they just put it in just because it's supposed to be in there but you can imagine when you're reading the books like how much Percy would be like this is my time to shine and I want to see that in the book or in the uh, TV show I want to see more more Percy arrogance I guess (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. All of the character development is going to be hopefully yeah. <laughs> really great. Yeah, exactly. All of those little moments. And I was also, I did highlight earlier, and I forgot to mention it, when um, Wood is teaching Harry about Quidditch, and he mentions Charlie Weasley and how Charlie Weasley could Charlie Weasley could have played for England. Um, mm-hmm. Another, like, yeah, again, another example of, Charlie Weasley being mentioned, but then 
in the books, he's like completely taken or sorry, sorry, I keep mixing it up in the films. He's completely taken out. And even just like having those mentions, I think are really important because that's a quick little line that they could throw in, but it just keeps adding. It like strengthens the character but in the film, yeah. he's like, and it's totally so erased. important to Ron's arc because of um, the whole living in his brother's shadows. Like that's another right. reason why he 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 he's in the shadow because he was so good at Quidditch, he could have gone and played for England, right? And all that kind of stuff builds up. Um, so in the films, when he snaps, is there's not as much context as there are in the books. Yep. Speaking right. of. There is, I learned a fun little tidbit. When they were planning on including Peeves in the film, they had Ron say, I don't know, maybe Peeves is pulling a prank. Like, just how it says in the book, in the film, when he's talking with Harry, before Mm -hmm. Harry says, oh, we forgot about Hermione. But I found out that they cut that line and had Ron or Rupert Grant dub it over by saying oh maybe people pulling pranks so it it went from people it the word originally was maybe it's peeves pulling pranks to maybe it's people pulling pranks i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch and like yeah because i always thought it was i always read it or heard it as peeves was playing jokes i think interesting so it, they definitely so when they decided to not have peeves in the film anymore they definitely they dubbed that over and i found that in a special um a, like a special uh, features type scenario where they were talking about that kind of stuff and there was recorded there was a typed up line saying uh mentioning peeves in that specific part but they dubbed it over and changed it to people well, it makes sense that they would want to remove that if they're going to remove the character. Right. When there's no peeves in the movie. <laughs> well, our resident book readers or resident movie watchers, but not book readers. What do you think about the line about peeves playing jokes? Let us know. So um, we they go and find Hermione, who is in the bathroom in the book, they shove the troll into the bathroom. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but in the movie, he finds his way to the bathroom. And we get a pretty fun scene of them taking down a troll. Well, I think it's hilarious that in the book, they like shoved it in, like they closed the door and locked it thinking that they just did a good deed mm-hmm. they're like great now it's just stuck in that room it can't get out and we're like hurt anybody and they're like all proud of themselves and then they hear hermione scream and they're like oh crap like i feel like that was definitely a little missed opportunity yeah um, and i can yeah. kind of see why you're maybe like a little bit peeved about the like trolls path being a little too convenient because maybe if they had taken some time and like saw the troll and they like locked the locked it into the into the girl's bathroom like that probably would have been a little bit more comedic would have been like oh dang they just like messed up like we probably as an audience member we probably would have enjoyed it a little bit more further instead of just seeing the troll walk into the bathroom but well and i um my peeve that i always had with the book was that they they just they locked the troll and into this room not realizing realizing it's the bathroom and then they're like oh it's the girl's bathroom the girl's bathroom like aren't there like a lot of bathrooms in hogwarts isn't hogwarts gigantic (laughs) it just seems like weird to me that it's like the bath i mean i guess is it the well, only bathroom it, that's on that floor? There's definitely more because it must be on that floor, right? Yeah. Because in the next book, there's a whole girl's bathroom that nobody uses because it's Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. Right. So maybe it's like each floor has – or each like hall has yeah. a, so a I, bathroom. I guess the implication with that is just that it was the bathroom on that floor. Yeah. But I don't know – if I yeah. was Hermione and I needed to go cry in a bathroom, which like we've all been there, I would not choose. I yeah, I would not choose to go yeah to not hide in a bathroom. I would not 
choose a bathroom that's on the same floor as the great hall when everybody is eating for a Halloween feast when you know everybody's going to be there because you know that people are going to come in. I would go choose somewhere more private. So I feel like that's another peeve that I have. <laughs> I could see that. There definitely is more bathrooms because um, Harry eventually gets into the prefect bathroom. Right. Which is the fifth I floor, right? It was the, yeah, I, I believe that was the bathroom he used for like the, the second clue to like answer it mm -hmm. because it's the it has the baths in it but yeah, there's so, so there's other bathrooms there's definitely right. other bathrooms i just don't know if she knew that or really cared at this point right <laughs> in her writing because she does say it the book reads on their way down to the great hall for halloween feast harry and ron overheard pavardi telling lavender that hermione was crying in the girls bathroom and wanted to be left alone so again it doesn't specify and we can mm -hmm. just assume that because they were on their way down to the great hall it's just the girls bathroom closest to that but why did hermione choose that one the world so may never know maybe she just needed to pop in there for some quick tears maybe that's what it is and i don't need on to the way yes maybe that's what yes. happened so the, every, okay. everybody was going to eat and then she was like nope i'm too sad and I she went to the bathroom. okay that's fine i accept it then <laughs> <laughs> so one thing it's my this is my second peeves peeves it's not my first and my biggest one this is just one that i just recently like made connection to but when they're fighting the troll and harry is like being dangled by uh by the troll and harry's like do something and ron's like what and he's like figuring it all out he pulls out his wand and is about to do a spell and hermione just goes swish and flick like <laughs> how in the world do you know he's going to use that spell out of right. all the spells right. that he could potentially use on this troll it's just so like, convenient it's, it <laughs> is convenient it was just like hermione what the heck like that doesn't make any sense like in anything because they probably know more spells than when guardian leviosa at this moment so it's like he could have used anything and she's like over here to swish and flick use the levitation spell because i know that that's the one you're gonna use and he well doesn't you see, make James, any sense to me if he didn't do that though then it wouldn't be ron's character growth performing a spell that he was insecure about and having difficulty with that hermione was doing really well at and he was just feeling insecure about that and it wouldn't show that character growth of him overcoming something that he was insecure about yes so but see here's the to. fix here's the <laughs> fix because i already thought about that and i was like okay maybe i could see it from this point of view but they easily could have done this he could have pulled out the wand and tried to say the spell go wingardium leviosa and it fails like quickly and then she could have gone swish and flick to kind of remind him about the the thing that he forgot mm -hmm. and then he could have done it a second time proving that he was growing himself from that scenario listening to her listening to yeah. her and learning from her and being like oh yeah she was right i need to do this and then he does it a second time it then succeeds and then everything goes to plan no, james but you're totally right the way that it was set up in the movie just doesn't make any continuously sense because you're just like how in the world were you able to pick and point one spell that he was going to do yeah and how I never liked it. it. Well, in the books, she's not even she's not even really paying attention because this line right before he says the spell, Hermione had sunk to the floor in fright. So she's not even, you know, paying attention um, for her right. to even why you know, would she out to him? It, yeah. Right, and that's something else that you know a lot of the fandom kind of complains about it when we've talked about it a lot too how the book characters and the movie characters are different characters um but Hermione just doesn't do well in like she not necessarily panics but we see it later when they get down into the um different um sorry that all the things that are guarding the stone right and um she she's panicking about the plant 
and Bronn has to be like, are are you a witch or not? You know? Right. Um, so this is just another example of her not doing well in these stressful situations that right. I would like to see the show pull pull out of, well, and of they, that's her character growth. And spoiler alert for OWLs in book five, when the book talks about how she isn't very good at defense against the dark arts, relatively speaking, when it comes to her mm-hmm. OWLs, whereas, whereas all of the other ones she does great at. And, and it is kind of good to see somebody like Hermione, who obviously is so um, adept at being a witch, but it's good to see what her Achilles heel is. And so it just, mm-hmm. that's, that is a pattern, like a character pattern that we see throughout the books and then it shows up in her OWLs. And so, yeah, it's just, we keep seeing that throughout the series about her not being able to like keep it under control when it comes to a stressful situation like that. She's good at theory, but not necessarily street smart. Yes. Mm-hmm. Another thing I did notice though, as we're talking about Liviosa in the film, um, you do hear Rupert enunciate the O in Liviosa to call back her saying Liviosa, not Liviosa. And he does pronounce, um, he does enunciate that O as he's doing the spell in the bathroom, which I did appreciate. Yes. Agreed. Definitely. So the teachers run in and are all shocked. And McGonagall, they say they've never seen her that angry. But I didn't really get that from her portrayal in the film. No. Yes, a shocked and, and disappointed, but not the angriest she's ever been. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree. It wasn't, they didn't um, translate that very well. No, they did not. But still, it was still done pretty well. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was a decent portrayal of the area, but obviously, like they're they're they pulled back on some of the emotions that were happening uh, yes. at that time, and that's probably to focus instead on Snape's injury in this scene, which is not um, mentioned in the book. Nope, it's mentioned next chapter. Right? Correct. Yeah, you're right. I feel like. Well, I do feel like in the movie, with how they did it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, I want them to keep things as close to the books as possible, but I'm not upset, I guess, about it, about the way that they showed it in the movie, because I feel like it wasn't, it didn't feel that out of place, I guess. You're right. And I mean, they explain it later, um, but I do like, I'm, spoiler alert, I um, we're getting to the next chapter. I do like how they discover his injury um yeah. so stay tuned listeners we'll talk about that <laughs> next week dun, dun, dun. well i do find it interesting that they took the broomstick portion of the chapter and put it into what would be next chapter's portion of the movie and then yeah. took the the injury that happens in the next chapter and put it in this portion of the chapter of the chapter's movie so like they yeah. kind of did a switch of scenes well and there's yeah so they just kind of you know, combined these two chapters almost into one longer segment. Because a right. lot of some, some other things are mishmashed. Yeah, so it definitely is interesting how they kind of just took those two chapters and kind of like mushed them together like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> right, and you know, film on screen is a different medium. Um, so I'm sure they had conversations and the screenwriter, you know, had a reason for doing that. Definitely. Especially to kind of keep the plot moving. Mm-hmm. Right. And they obviously knew that they were cutting out so much stuff, so. Right. Any other thoughts about the bathroom before we move on? I do have a thought about back in the common room. I have a thought about the common room as well. But with the um, with the bathroom, I wanted to see, because they like, I feel like the troll scene is fine. Um, but I want to somehow see, <laughs> I want to somehow see like the, the description of Harry, he, Harry sniffed in a foul stench, reached his nostrils, a mixture of old socks. And like, 
obviously you can't see a smell, but like, I want to see more of that. I don't know. I feel like they just, again, kind of made mm-hmm. it a little bit flat. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. upset Indeed. overall, but I think just building up the scene a little bit more, especially because like troll smells are such a big thing, like throughout the series, they've mentioned it so many times. Um, and <laughs> so I don't know, I guess I want to see more of that. And then, yeah, I mean, again, I just looking at I my, agree. my book highlights, we already kind of talked I about it. I will better. say they did see they they CGI'd the troll really well. I think they had some practical yes. in there uh, mixed in with it, so it wasn't like completely CGI. But like for what they did do, I think it was kind of pretty clean. It showed the ugliness of the troll. Um, for what they were for doing for CGI back then, I think it still translates well into watching the movie you kind of really can't tell that um that it, it it's not a crappy job you can't really tell that it's a bad thing it's really it's done mm-hmm. really well and it's uh i think we got to give them credit for that so back in the common room in the book it mentions that all the food from the feast has been brought up to the common room and I love that because the feast just ends. And well, in the film, it is all the dessert. So you would think that they had eaten dinner first. But um, then they all, they the three of them just say thanks to each other and then go off to get food. And it's, I feel like the three of them saying thanks and then going to get plates of food together is a visual rep- representation of what she says about how, you know, when you be, when you defeat a troll together, you you become best friends forever. Um, I think that's just a great visualization of that sentiment that I would like to see the show do. Yes, agreed. That was one of my highlights too, was that just that whole common room scene in general. Um, I really want them to uh, um, include that in the TV show. And again, it just, you know, builds up more character development. It builds the story Mm -hmm. up, the environment more so. Yeah, it would be really nice if Definitely. they added that in. And yeah, bringing up the food. I think that's so cute. <laughs> Just wait until my peeves, peeves and pee- uh, Weasley salute. <laughs> Great. Well, th- I mean, that's all I have as far as notes go for the chapter. So if you guys are ready, we can dive into the peeves pleasure. Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay, James, what was your peeves pleasure? So my peeves pleasure for this section uh, is going to have to be. Uh, I don't know, like they did some pretty good stuff in the movie. Uh, I really do like the over dramatization of Quirrell yelling trolls. Mm-hmm. I really do think that that was done really well and. I'll probably claim that as my peeves pleasure because the rest of it is actually just going to be mixed in with my peeves peeves. So (laughs) it's kind of hard for me to kind of choose peeves pleasure. I love how it was done in the movie. It does it really good. It it translates well for the movie. I have no gripes against it, but my, because of how strongly I feel with my peeves peeves, it just uh, it kind of just falls flat for me the entire time and so there really isn't any like section of the film that i really 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 like except for the part where it takes what it took from the book and kind of expands on it i really do like the fact that it expanded upon the book because that shows that they made choices that actually paid off for the scene and so i i think when you're trying to make an adaptation and you make choices like that great when you make choices the complete opposite way where it takes away from what the book created i don't think those were necessarily good choices mm-hmm. but it would have to be coral saying mm-hmm. trolls in the dungeon so that's my peace pleasure <laughs> meeks what was your pleasure um my two peeves pleasures were the troll scene in general um barring one thing that's one of my peeves peeves which i will talk about Mm -hmm. um but i think overall the troll scene i think they did a good job um and then the quidditch scene too um i feel like 
you get a, a good sense of the like wonderment and the magic that mm-hmm. Harry feels. And we talked about like the design of the trunk and stuff. So I think that they did a good job with um, making it magical and, um, and Oh, and yeah, like so how Harry are... sees the snitch. Yeah. Like Harry, when you're looking yeah. at Harry sees the snitch and what is stop. like, wait, where'd my... it go? No, stop. <laughs> That's my piece. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so I love when he releases the snitch, Harry like follows it, right? But Wood looks the completely opposite direction because it just shows that Harry is so good at being a seeker that it is a natural instinct in him and he knows exactly where to look. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like going deeper with that scene and how it shows that he is a good seeker. I like that. Saturday. Yeah. And who knows if that's really what they were intending, but that is what I took from it. <laughs> I like it. No, I definitely agree because that's what I took from it as well. Not to <laughs> steal any of your thunder. I'm sorry. I know. You already gave your pleasure, James. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was just being cool and adding on a little bit. <laughs> um, okay, James. Um, Peeves Peeve. Okay. This is, you know, this is just going to be big. I hate. This is just going to be big. I hate. That's a strong word. Hate. Hate. The in the that in the film, Hermione, Ron, and Harry just become friends automatically because yeah. they set they set it up in the film to where they don't like each other. It's very clear. Hermione and Ron have a loathing for each other in some sort of way and it it, it builds up for it but it gets lost mm-hmm. down the down the way as they're experiencing this new world and stuff and then all of a sudden she's friends with him mm-hmm. and i'm just like yeah. where did that happen when did that happen why is this even a thing because it felt so unnatural for her to all of a sudden be helping them and giving them advice when before we had scenes where they were very like very against that and so i've for the longest time i struggled being able to watch the sorcerer's stone just for that reason because i was just like Mm -hmm. you are missing a humongous plot point between these three people because i love that in the books they become friends after they've loathed each other for the longest time because it shows that they were like that they just irritate each other they're not the biggest things but they had an experience that bonded them together and now you can't separate the three of them and so Mm -hmm. it's just like it it, where was that in the film and it just wasn't there and i i feel like it was one of those plot points that the writers and everybody kind of just let fall and then they're like oh yeah we need to bring this back up kind of scenario Mm. and it just doesn't make any sense uh and it bugs the crap out of me but they redeemed themselves earlier this year when i discovered that there were extra scenes (laughs) and it's not a big redeem mind you but it's better than nothing and i'm kind of sad that they cut it but i know that they had it filmed because it was a deleted scene so in in the movie after the troll scene and mcgonagall sends them all on their way all three of them are walking back to the corridor and they have like a good 15 second conversation between the three of them where it's kind of just like oh thanks for saving me i was like well i mean and then ron's like well i mean we did just save your life. And Harry mm-hmm. was like, well, we wouldn't have had to save her life if you didn't hurt her feelings, Ron. And he's like, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> and she, like, smiles and, and, like, you can tell there's a little bit of a resolution of, oh, they like each other now. And I was just like, that was 15 seconds. Right. They could have right. put that in the movie and I would have not been able, like, I would have not been so griped this entire time if they had just kept that measly 15 seconds in. Yes. It's not that long of a deleted scene, but yet it filled the plot hole. And I was like, I have felt 
I have never felt more satisfied than I have <laughs> discovering that they have deleted scenes. Like, oh my gosh. So it it's still a piece piece for me, but it's less so because I discovered that there's deleted scenes and all that stuff. But at the same time, like they decided to cut it at some point. It's right. obviously it's obviously still going to be like a huge thing I have. But overall, that's what I had the, with a problem with that whole scene, which is why I don't really find anything good out of it except for like little tidbits here and there. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Meeks, your peeves, beef? Um, I really, really hate that with the three of them leaving um they're or not going against the direct orders of the headmaster going to fight a troll all of that they lose five points each like that is yeah. absolute <laughs> insanity that it's only five points i remember reading that when i was little and being like five points they get a point they get like a one point if they answer a question right or three points if they answer a really tough question and right. five points for something like that so i don't like that and um absolutely hate which we already talked about what they did with Hermione in the film where she's just like jolly old sitting under the sink and then saying swish and flick Ron and it's like girl you are being attacked by a troll and your two 11 year old friends are being attacked by a troll you can't be so casual about this so <laughs> definitely a peeves of mine Going back to the points real quick, though, I would really like to see the show kind of revamp the point system. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even in the books, there's not really a consistency to mm. – I think it's just kind of willy-nilly, whatever the professor wants to give out or take away at the time. But I would like – and I think the fandom has talked about this a lot too. But I would like to see some consistency in the amount of points and what they're worth in the right. show. Yeah, um, but that is not my peeves peeve. <laughs> uh, my peeves peeve is in fact the bathroom, and how the troll gets there, because <laughs> um, as we talked about in the book, there's this whole rigmarole with them shoving the troll, finding, smelling the troll, finding the troll, shoving the troll into the bathroom, and locking <laughs> it in with Hermione. But in the movie, they're just running. They turn a cold corner. They see a shadow, and the troll's just going straight. And they're like, "Oh, that's the girls' bathroom." <laughs> And then, you know, there's just no, it's just so convenient. And it's, I just didn't like the convenience of it. And I, I would like <laughs> to see them struggle with the troll and lock them into the bathroom or see some sort of yeah more, mm. more from this. Yes, I would agree with that. All right. Are we ready for salutes? Totally. James, will you kick us off with your Weasley salute, please? So my Weasley salute is actually going to be a follow-up to you asking <laughs> how I thought about Hermione being a part of Ron and Harry's little trio. Because one of my Weasley salutes in the past was Ron and Harry's ability to mirror each other. Mm -hmm. And then you asked, like, how does Hermione fit into that? And I was like, I'll get to that later. Well, it's later. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely time. So Hermione's character is definitely an interesting one because you if you found out there was a whole wizarding world up for grabs like that you had no idea about you would probably you guys would probably look at it differently uh, than what she did um i i would look at it differently than she did i would have been like flabbergasted and been like whoa and like amazed and all of the stuff she immediately just dove right into learning everything she could about it she found out about this and she's like there's there there's no there was no sphere there was no doubt there was no skepticism she was just like sweet let me learn all i can about this and it says something about her parents if they supported her in that because they also did not know this world existed and i'm sure mm -hmm. they were just as like flabbergasted by everything but they saw how excited she was about it and they're like sure let's figure this out and whoever helped them on that journey if there had to be any additional scenes added it has to be hermione figuring out how how she was a wizard or a witch 
and who who went over there to their house to say oh she's a witch and like who helped them like help these two muggles figure out how to navigate diagon alley uh how to transfer muggle money to to wizarding money and all that stuff like who did all that if you're gonna add some stuff that's brand new content i would like to see that because I feel like that would be definitely something fun to look into and kind of dive into is how muggles are introduced into the wizarding world now that their children are wizards. Mm-hmm. Right. So I definitely think that would be interesting, but they supported her in this and they bought her books and they, she read them all summer long and she's delved into this world so that she can know everything there is to know about it. But th- it's interesting because that that reflects off of her as being bossy and and a know-it-all right and that's the main characteristic that harry and and ron don't like about it is because Mm -hmm. they have those types of figures in their life already Vern, like the dursleys are already bossy to harry he doesn't need somebody else telling him what to do Mm -hmm. uh ron has older siblings galore who probably treat him like a little brother like any other little brother would be treated and he doesn't like being boss around either because his brothers are just all like they're right. all perfect and he has that little thing with his brothers right percy. so percy percy is probably the worst but <laughs> you have you have this girl who just comes in and starts telling them all the stuff and they're obviously already like against it but she is instrumental to their to their characters because without her they wouldn't be able to do half the things that they've done and to learn how to like to learn how to accept that was what this chapter was all about and that's what i love about this chapter is because after all of the annoyances after all the tension after all of the hate that they were feeling for each other as 11 year olds do these three were able to experience something humongous in their eyes and actually succeed and like walk away from Mm -hmm. it and then like appreciate each other hermione appreciates ron and harry's bravery to even just come and find her the fact that they thought about her and came to find her while they knew a troll was coming showed her how much uh, they actually care about people. And Ron, I, I, they da- kind of downplayed it. I feel like they needed to focus on Ron a little bit more in the movie. But Ron was completely flabbergasted that Hermione would even lie to a teacher mm-hmm. for them. And be like, no, it was this and this and this. And so like, it, it, they found a bond within each other. And that bond is what makes it possible for them to do anything because Hermione keeps them both in line while they both go and be the little mystery detectives that they are. And, mm-hmm. and as they're trying to figure things out, she's the one that gives them these little, little tidbits of information. Oh, what about this? And what about this? And they learn to actually appreciate that going forward. And so it's, it's just a perfect mesh because Ron and Harry are already great with each other, but their mm-hmm. potential becomes tenfold with Hermione's knowledge and ability to help them reach their potential. And that wouldn't okay. have happened. And then they wouldn't, they wouldn't appreciate her, her, her knowledge and her, her ability to know these things if they didn't, realize that if they didn't realize that she would go to bat for them and this kind of thing and they appreciate her because now she was willing now she's willing to do these things too because she found appreciate for them so all three of them appreciate each other and that's what makes this friendship group mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. In, inseparable like you can't you can't break it apart because mm-hmm. they found things that they need from each other and that's I, I think that's a key core element to how friendships are built is that each person is able to provide something else that the other person needs desperately, but doesn't know it until they've discovered it and appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. That's how true yeah. friendship is built. And so this chapter is like the core fundamental part of true friendship. And I wouldn't have it any other way. 
this has to be done to a t in in the films mm-hmm. of, or to in a to to a t in the tv shows in order for this to be even remotely mm-hmm. close to showing us how important these three need to be friends listeners remind us of this moment when the show comes out so we can <laughs> ask james his thoughts on this episode <laughs> I do have two thoughts. The first, well, more of a comment. Um, I believe it's McGonagall that goes to Muggle uh, Boren homes to tell them that they're a wizard. Or if it's not McGonagall, I know that somebody does, in fact, go. So they, yeah. whoever goes to tell her is probably like, there's, there was, I would, I agree. I would like to see that played out in the show. I don't know if it's a spinoff or a flashback later or when, but I would also like to see some other students getting their Hogwarts letters or having McGonagall tell and tell them that they're a wizard or a witch. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just overall, it's a good point that it was such a, um, you know, a poignant example in the books of what builds a true friendship. And it's, you know, kind of a bummer that we don't get to see that development in the film. So hopefully they do focus on that more. Um, yeah, I agree. In the TV show. What was your salute, Meigs? My salute is the CGI for the troll. I think for mm. 2001, that CGI was mm-hmm. incredible. And I just remember seeing it on the big screen and just being like, this is so cool. So I think that they, <laughs> they did a great job with that. And I can't wait to see what yeah. the CGI looks like now when they, or in a couple of years. I know. Make the show. It's gonna be great. I cannot wait for that yeah. max budget. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my Weasley salute this chapter is Hogwarts because Harry said um, it finally feels more like home than Privet Drive ever did, oh, and I yeah. just love that um, feeling for him for Harry yeah. to finally have this sense of home. Um, but also we later find out it's, you know, a connection he has to the dark Lord. Um, and that's just, this is the beginning of that, you know, Easter egg connection between him and, and Voldemort, but taking it one step further, I feel like a lot of the fandom also finds a home in Hogwarts, um, and Harry Potter, is a sanctuary for a lot of people. I know I always escape into Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and we as readers, a, a lot of us can relate to Harry in this moment. Um, you know, whether what, whatever our home life was like, um, we can find, we can feel that connection to Hogwarts like he has mm-hmm. in this moment. Yeah. That's such a good point because I think that like what a dream, right? To for anyone mm-hmm. to find out that you're gonna be able to go study magic and go live in a castle with a bunch of friends your age. Like, of course, that's like everybody's <laughs> yeah. dream. But I remember from when I was able to form memories, <laughs> I mean, I have always felt <laughs> like I was meant to be somewhere else. And this is like a whole thing that I can get to on another podcast that's not focused on Harry Potter, if anybody wants to listen. But um, <laughs> I've always felt like I was meant to be in like a different land, you know, somewhere else from where I grew up. Yeah. And so reading Harry Potter, of course, like, yes, it's such a magical, such a magical experience anybody would want, but it it truly did feel to me like, goodness, like, can't this happen to me? I just feel like I would belong, you know, I would find a place like Hogwarts and feel like I was truly home. So I like that you made that point. Mm. I know Hogwarts. Uh, we all wish we could go. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, yes, we do. Well, any other final thoughts, you guys, before we clock out here? Nope. Um, I, I had plenty, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> As always. Well, thank you for causing havoc with us today. Next time, we will be discussing the exciting Chapter Eleven Quidditch, which is minutes. Uh, well, an hour and 13 minutes and 48 seconds to an hour and 25 minutes and 10 seconds um, of the film. Uh, so, James, where can they find you? So, you can find me on Instagram at James M. Beltran. Uh, it's exactly how it is. Uh, you know, no spaces, no nothing. And using that same 
uh, same thing at James M. Beltran. Uh, M as in Mary, uh, not the N as in Newt. Uh, so uh, you can go to TikTok and find me on TikTok as well with that same handle uh, where I will, I am starting to share uh, some little kind of like Harry Potter stuff. So I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna do like all those little cool little Harry Potter trends uh react to some of like the harry potter videos that they have on tiktok and then i'm going to be sharing some of my own little tidbits of knowledge and things that i kind of discover as i delve deeper into the characters and things like that so um if you like listening to me give you a little bit more analysis and insight onto these characters like i did in this episode that's where you're going to be able to find me at is uh is at my tiktok uh doing that kind of stuff And you can find me at Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore Lachowski, L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. And you can find all of the other projects that I work on from there. And you can find me at Captain.McD on Instagram. And just like me, you can find my other projects linked there. Um, we are also all linked on the Peeves Gabfest Instagram. So for easy access, you can just follow us on Instagram at PeevesGabFest. But before you do that, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave a five-star review if you're as mischievous as we are. If you have any feedback for us, you can leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or you can email us at peevesgabfest at gmail.com. Or join the discussion in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash peevesgabfest. Until next time, Ickle Firsties.